Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. And welcome back to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I'm Zach. This week on the A to Z Running Podcast, we're discussing the universal topic of dealing with injuries. Absolutely a necessary conversation for anyone who's in the midst of injury, but also a prevalent thought for runners because we know, unfortunately, not many runners have escaped their career (laughs) without injury. So a a thought, a reflection, some tips, as well as a good conversation about some of our own experiences Mm -hmm. that have informed some of these considerations. So we want to talk to you about that and more. But before we can, you need to go to a to z running dot com. Click the word follow and then on all of the places like YouTube and podcast apps like Apple and Google and all the other ones. Subscribe, Mm -hmm. please. And thank you. Yeah, that too. (laughs) Uh, We just posted um, about loving the process. That's a big topic surrounding the sport of running. And we'll actually talk about that more later in the topic of dealing with injuries. But in this specific post, Kathy commented, and I want to highlight it. I just love seeing what my body can do. Training to me is joyful. I can't decide which I like more, the training or the race. To be able to do this is such a gift. I love Kathy's attitude. We coach Kathy and she's just, she brings the joy and the fun and we absolutely love it. And it is that much sweeter a gift Mm -hmm. when we can't fully enjoy it. That's (laughs) Speaking of the injury conversation. Mm -hmm. So before we get to any of that, a quick word for those of you who intend to be running races in the West Michigan area in the next little bit, we wanted to just give a shout out to a few events, some of our favorites, as well as some that are near and dear to some people that we support. And so on August 3rd, this is a Tuesday night, uh, the Magic of the Mile Uh track event in Comstock Park, Michigan. Ah. So good. So we know a lot of you out there don't live in the West Michigan area, but seeking out something like a mile race is a super unique opportunity. And whenever like adults like post collegiates are able to participate in something like this, it's just such an interesting and Mm. cool experience. So thank you to Run GR for putting on this kind of event. We also have on August 14, Brainy Day Trail Run in Nunica, Michigan. And so for those of you looking for a nice little trail run around this time that isn't, you know, like a 50K or something crazy, (laughs) this is a good one. Maybe a good one to start with. Ah. You think? Yeah. Well, if you haven't run trails before, better not to start on a marathon. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On August 28th then, and a little bit more notorious or no, it's famous, right? That's the positive one? Yes, it's famous. (laughs) Light.5K k in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's famous because we know the person who is heading it up, but it's actually the first year for this event, Zach. Indeed. And so those of you who aren't familiar, Light Point is a flagship of New Holland Brewery. And so that's where the name comes from. And that's Mm -hmm. part of what's making it. uh, There's money prizes I hear, like a gift card or something like that so good times certainly mm-hmm. and then in september one of our personal favorites on september 19th is the lmcu bridge run mm-hmm. in grand rapids michigan and this one I, how many times we've run this eight, a lot <laughs> eight times maybe including this year because uh, all things 
going as hopefully as well as possible, we will be there. Yes. We will be running. Yes. It's a Ripley family favorite. And there is Absolutely. a 10-mile run and a 5K. So yes. there's two options for you. But 10-mile runs are kind of unique. And they're, they're fun yeah. races. So Lots check it out. Lots of fun. And you should run it because you can get $5 off as well with our code a to Z. That is A T O Z mm-hmm. for five dollars off any event at the Bridge Run. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Kyle Cutler. Absolutely, and so those, and certainly many, many, many other things. But if you're looking for some good opportunities to run some races in the West Michigan area, those some are good options. Well, speaking of races, let's get to the world of running. On July 17th in Canton, Ohio, there was a USATF championship, the 6K for 6K. the women. Yes, the 6K. What is that? 6,000 meters. There are some of us who prefer to run a 6K on the road instead of the track, so maybe that's why. Yes, but if you're going to run a race and you're going to say to yourself, ah, 5,000, that's just a little too short. 10,000, no, way too long. Let's run 6,000. Well, there is everything for the USATF circuit from the one mile to the marathon, and there is a 5K zag. I bet there is not a 9,000. Probably not. (laughs) Okay, you caught me there. Yeah, so getting back to the event. Oh, sorry. Yes. So this was an event that was done in Canton, Ohio, like I mentioned, and the winner was new as far as the winning goes. New to the pro scene. New to the pro scene, a recent collegiate Taylor Wenner. She won her first title over Emily Durgan. And Emily oh. Durgan has the most amount of points in this circuit. And she won in a final time of 1821, which plays out to be about 455 per mile. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's like 1520 or under yeah. potentially for a 5K. Yeah. Okay. That's significant, right? That's well, a good time. On a road, especially. Yeah. That's really good stuff. Yeah. So I did want to mention, because I just said like points for the system, these are collected through all these events, like I had mentioned, from like the mile to the marathon, they collect points, and then there's like an overall winner. Prize purse. Yeah. So you can imagine, yeah. you know, people like Sarah Hall have quite a few points as well, but uh, the leading person right now is Emily Durgan. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Making that money. That's good stuff. I love the USATF road circuit because, as Andy said, it covers a lot of different distances and it, it, the races are all over the country. Mm-hmm. And so you can usually find some opportunities to jump in some of those and they tend to be a little bit more competitive, more elevated, elite experiences. It's cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's jump over now across all of the ponds to Japan. And on Saturday, July 17th in Shitose, Japan, the Hokuren Distance Challenge Finished its series, which this one is one of those things that it, it's it's a big deal in Japan. Um, and it crosses a lot of different barriers and divides. Like you have the young kids racing, the corporate races, and the pros and everyone else. So um, this is the final installment of this year's series. And it was a middle distance focused meet, which is always interesting because Japan, you can think about it like this. Basically, the Japanese have, um, if you if you take out East African runners, all the rest of the great marathoners, barring a few here and there in the country, are Japanese. Like their marathoning is incredible, but their middle distance running isn't even on the map in contrast. So everyone looks at it and thinks they've got more potential in middle distance running. It's just underdeveloped, which is very, very true. Um, And so in this instance, we saw some of that potential developing a bit Hmm. because records were falling across the board for middle distance and started with Hiroki Minamoto, who tied to the hundredth, the 800 meter Japanese record. Oh, that's like the kind of race that afterwards yeah. you're like, why didn't I just like 
throw myself across the line why didn't yeah. i like dive yeah you you always can hope and 145 75 is a fairly respectable 800 at that uh-huh. so excellent work and then kazuki kawamura set a new 1500 meter record uh which was only seven weeks old as okay. it was and uh chopped another second and a half off of the previous record he ran 335 42 a second second That's and a, a lot half in the 1500 meter is. run yeah it is. And what's most interesting about that same 1500 meter race was Kaida Sato, who broke the under 20, under 18, and high school 1500 meter records all, right. all at once when he ran 337.18. Also good for number three all time on the Japanese list. So he's 17 years old, folks. He's 17. Yeah. So we've been talking about Hobbs Kessler around here, yep. who had 18, you know, 334, which is. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, we've got some more of these kinds of things happening yeah. in other places, too. It's good stuff. Okay, and then for the women's side in the 1500 meter, another national record, and this one was Nozomi Tanaka, who broke her own 1500 meter national record to run 40408. Mm. That's exciting stuff. Well, in Gateshead, England, we had the London Gateshead Diamond League. London slash Gateshead, because it would have yeah, been in London. It would have been London, but it wasn't. But they were know. located. Yep. So that was after we had published, and it was like right after, right? The same day of last same week's day. Okay. episode. Yeah. So we didn't get a chance to cover this yet, but this was, la- I posted some on social media. But anyway, Men's 3000 was oh. the race to watch. We're going to link to it if we can find it, because it was so fun to see national records going down so exciting so the 3000 meter is another one of those races that because it's not an olympic event or an international event in outdoors it is in indoors by the way it's a world championship event in indoor track and field but not an outdoor and so as a consequence you don't see it raced very often outdoors but diamond league made a decision recently to not hold the 5000 meter at the Diamond League circuit anymore. So instead, there's the 3,000 is the longest event for the Diamond League circuit, which is just strange. Yes, we can say <laughs> it. That's odd. But anyway, um, so when you see fast runners jumping into 3,000, things get crazy sometimes. It's basically like, think about a 3,000 like this. You're basically running a mile as hard as you can and then doing it again, hopefully as fast. Is That's the way it feels, at least, to run. Yeah. It's two miles, but by definition, by the way, your VO2 max often is somewhere, it's happening somewhere around this distance mm. for a highly conditioned athlete. So we're talking about people are basically running at 100% VO2 max for seven, eight, nine minutes. Mm. Holy cow. Ouch. That does not That feel hurts. <laughs> no. And so you see the pain on their faces as they're coming in, and in the final kick, you've got all of these all these legendary, you know, like Stewie McSwain of Australia, legendary athletes in there. And it's just like, what's going to happen? Well, the legendary athlete who won it has been making waves for Spain. Mohamed Katir for his count it third one, two, three national records this season. He broke the 5,000 meter record running 1250. He broke the 1500 meter record and now the 3000 meter record when he ran 727. Wow. It was a really great race, like I mentioned. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Incredible. So um, this, uh, by the way, there was another national record in the same event, and this was for Italy. Uh, Give me a second while I try to say this name. Yemena Berhan Krippa of Italy broke the Italian record in 737.90. An excellent time as well. 
someone we've been discussing a lot as of late, and many of us are big fans, Kate Grace won another Diamond League title in the women's mile. What a season. What a season, and what a way to demonstrate strength, because when the kick began, she like, there's no question. Mm. She was the one with more gears than anyone else. So that was an exciting race uh, because it wasn't terribly fast. And so as a consequence, there were a lot of people in the race At late. At the end, yeah. And uh, some people don't like that, you know, the whole tactical race thing. And they're like, oh, it's just a sprint then. I'm like, well, yeah. When you're an 800-meter runner who can run 157 and clearly are on, on top of your game with, what, three PRs in a row yep. for Kate Grace? Three. Um, and already showed that you can win Diamond League races. This was exactly the race Kate Grace wanted to happen. And a short of being able to ask her right now if that's true, I'm betting money that that was exactly <laughs> the race Kate Grace wanted to have happen. And she just showed up big. Yeah. Yep. Ran away from them all. Now we need to shout out another, because Kate Grace is on the pod- podcast before. And we've had another champion in this Diamond League series. And that was Cindy Sember. You'll remember her as Cindy O'Feely mm. on our podcast. She won the 100-meter hurdles for her second Diamond League victory this season. Now, you'll remember that she is from representing Great Britain, and she will be going to the games um, very soon. So you'll want to look out hurdles. for her. Something interesting, Zach, mm. is that this was her second Diamond League victory at the same place. Ah. So Gateshead has been good to her. So you've got the home soil kind of thing because, you know, England and from representing Great Britain. Um, and apparently she just runs well on this track. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's this little thing that sometimes happens where people are like, oh, this person runs well on this track, which is kind of a strange, but, it, it, but maybe not. Maybe not. There's something potentially involved there. Yeah. So nice well, Cindy. Mm-hmm. Now, for some general Olympic news, and there is a lot of it, and we're not going to attempt to get into too many different things at the moment. Just know that we have an Olympic preview coming for you yes. next week, and it's going to be thrilling in all its forms and fashions as far as a preview can be. But we did want to mention a few uh, little tidbits of news lately, things like um, the accommodations, which apparently, Andy, have been interesting. Yeah, and I don't want to speak to everyone's situation, uh, no. but I've just seen a couple of things from athletes saying that they've just had interesting experiences so far, like no AC, and then like Paul Gilimo posted that they're going to be sleeping on like these cardboard beds. So I'll Apparently, link to his tweet. to discourage athletes from frolicking in the um, non-athletic. <laughs> extracurricular, thank you. <laughs> Although I guess it is athletic sometimes. So <laughs> extracurricular Gosh. form and fashion. Andy's blushing right now. For <laughs> those of you not watching on YouTube, you ought. Now, in saying all of that, you need to go <laughs> check out Paul Chalimo's posts on this because they're funny. They're yeah. quite funny. Yeah, and if this truly is the case, I'm just wondering when people are trying to compete at the top of their game – how their sleep will be. No I comment. Don't know. No so comment. you'll ch- check out his photos. <laughs> Moving on. Um, oh, some disappointing responses mm. from. So this happens, and this is always the case. This is not new. It, it's never been new, um, but it is a little bit frustrating. And and what the it is that I'm talking about is how discrepant different national policies are around sending athletes to the Olympics. So you'll have a situation where you have athletes going to the Olympics from one country and athletes who are potentially even higher performing, but from another country and they're not going, not because they couldn't qualify, but because their country just simply won't send them. 
and there's a number of reasons why this may have happened over the years, but um, it's frustrating to me because I, I see that and I think to myself, it's two things at once, right? For, first, it's good for the sport because anyone who knows that person immediately cares more about the yes. sport and the, the games because they know this person who's an Olympian and that's incredible stuff. Uh, but also it honors the efforts of that yeah. individual athlete. And so whatever the rationale that a nation gives, I always find it very hard to say that that's a better reason than simply you did all this work. The Olympic Committee has invited you to attend. The International Olympic Committee has invited you to attend the games. And we, as a governing body of our country, are going to say, yes, do it mm -hmm. and we'll back you. Um, and for those countries that choose not to in that situation, I haven't yet seen a reason that that suggests to me that it's good enough. But here are some of the examples that are tend to be fairly common. Um, New Zealand recently has, has gone under kind of the scrutiny for theirs. And their policy is simply that, um, and this is not a perfect policy, but what it is and what it tends to be is that you have to be in the top 16 ranked in the world. And if you are, then they'll send you and back you. Um, and so obviously there's plenty of athletes who qualify for the Olympics, but aren't in the top 16. You've heard us talking about the world top 20 lists lately. They're huge and incredible. So it's hard to be in the top 16. Yeah. Well, if you're from New Zealand and you aren't in the top 16, they might not be sending you. Wow. Sweden, even stiffer, won't send athletes who aren't in the top eight. Not, uh, some athletes who aren't in the top eight. You have to be a finalist, like someone like, who would be in the To be finals. able to qualify for yeah. the finals. So like they've got a, a 158 who's been running 159, 800-meter runner, which is blazing fast. She's not going. And the thing that's really bothersome about this is because athletes are not training to peak during their season so if they didn't have the race that would put them on the list high enough it doesn't mean that it's not possible that they're going to peak right and be able to be competitive even at the very highest level even some podium contenders in the history of the olympics there are people who have come in much further back than mm. eighth place and won so i think it kind of limits the the underdog magic <laughs> that can happen at the olympic games yeah and we know in in sport and especially so this is one of the things I, I, you know I, I, we're never going to try to uh elevate uh, uh, one group over another but um the, one of the things i think the united states does very well with sports in general is they make they create a culture around the sport of all levels so there are, are kids who are interested in the sport and playing the sport and and school levels and club levels and all these things and by doing that the very best only get better but you discourage that dynamic from happening by saying we don't even care about you unless you're one of the very best how are you going to ever get there if you don't have that mm. culture of sport? And mm -hmm. so that's one of the criticisms that tends to fall here as well. Mm -hmm. Now, th these policies are nothing new. I, we pointed out these two because they're two that have been being discussed on places like Let's Run. Um, and there are other, plenty of other countries with very same or similar policies, but uh, frustrating to us. Mm -hmm. Frustrating for those athletes specifically. Now, one other note that's curious and is going to just get only crazier um, and we knew this, we all anticipated this, is the COVID stuff going on right now in Tokyo is unreal. Like we're talking about situations where athletes have been sent home, Olympians sent home for breaking conduct rules around things like social distancing, for example. Not, not that they have COVID or spread COVID, they broke a conduct rule, sent home. And, and they were told, you know, to the credit of the people sending them home, they were told, if you do this, you're going home. And then they followed through on it. But 
like and that's one of so then people are testing positive as you would guess and so like teams are being quarantined entire programs like the australian track and field team the whole thing was quarantined thankfully it turned out to be a false alarm and they were unquarantined but like how crazy would that be a whole track and field team from a country for a two-week quarantine oh man yeah yeah, here we go. Here we go. Well, That's there it. is more to come. We're, we mentioned that we're going to be doing some previews. We're going to be covering the Olympic Games. We're really excited, and we hope that you are too. If there are certain athletes you're re- rooting for, let us know, and we'll probably we will pay attention. As well. <laughs> exactly. So Exciting stuff. So the very best coverage of the 2021 or 2020, whatever they're calling it on the website, Tokyo Olympics will be potentially here. Well, as noted for the topic, we want to discuss injury. And here's the thing. So you so so many ways we can talk about something like this. I think the important point we want to make here is that runners have a very difficult time with injury. And that's not to suggest other athletes don't, but we're talking about running here. So we're going to talk about runners. Um, And in doing that, it's probably very important for us before we get injured to think about this. And when we're injured, to think about this and then after we're done being injured to think about this Mm. why is it that we have such a hard time with this and what can we do to minimize the hard timeness of it the hard timeness (laughs) i haven't heard it said that way but it is a very difficult period for all runners and like we mentioned earlier almost everyone's going to deal with injury at some point if they run long enough so we're hoping that this can shed some light and be some help to you or send this to a friend who might be injured right now because we're going to talk through our experience as well as what we've learned from others. And full disclosure, I am currently at the moment of speaking in the midst of some kind of injury. It's a little bit undiagnosed because I have an MRI scheduled and we'll see. Um, but so this, this comes a bit from everything we're about to say. I'm literally speaking firsthand from my moment of experience. So that might help you as you detect some of the strength of our arguments, if you will. So what we want to try to do here is just kind of lay out for you some of the experiences we have when we're in the midst of injury um, and some of our reactions to that in terms of maybe suggestions or tips or just thoughts to help us in that struggle. Mm -hmm. So first, runners... We love running (laughs) as you know, (laughs) and often not as much other things. Yeah. So when we get injured, it's tough because what we really want to be doing is running. We don't really want to be cross training and cycling and doing these other things. Even PT exercises. We're just like, we don't really want to do that. We just want to run. How many times have we suggested to an athlete, here's some strength and mobility work that would be really good for you. And they're like, I don't really like doing that. (laughs) I just want to run. Right. Like, yeah, us too, which is why we do that stuff so that we, you know, can run more better. So so the problem is, okay, you can imagine, and maybe you've experienced it. We certainly have is that we just continue to try to run if it's Mm. possible. Well injured, even sometimes after we know the injury, will sometimes continue or rush the process. 
Yeah, and so a lot of it just comes down to I really just only know this one thing. I really only like to do this one thing. And so even if I'm like hurting while I'm doing it, but I can somehow bear it, I just do it anyway mm-hmm. um, and, and things like that. So as you can guess, uh, one of the top suggestions here is find something else to do and get better, you know, recover. Um, and, and this is, so I'll speak again from experience. We have mentioned on the podcast, the passion paradox by Steve Magnus and Brad Stolberg. Um, and in doing that, uh, I read this right around the time when this actually, this experience I'm mentioning in a moment, uh, was happening. And so it was, it was fuel for this for me as well. But, um, after, after some struggles, in a season for me, I found that I just needed to find a different activity for a bit. Um, so I could get over that. And I started cycling like more seriously for the first time ever and realized very quickly that all the competitiveness of what I liked about running it was not everything I love about running, but all the competitiveness I could immediately channel into cycling and I loved it. And so I could just like, you know, go into it in kind of crazy mode, which is not always healthy. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But so for me, it was it was only ever one thing, only ever running. And then I realized I actually really do enjoy cycling. And there's a little bit of me. And I don't want to say this out loud, but, but you're on a podcast. There's a little bit of me that kind of likes when I can't run for whatever the reason is, because that's the only time that I ever cycle. Otherwise, I'm doing too much running and I don't want to try to I don't want to try to add more cycling on top of the running that I'm doing. And so the only time I really cycle is when I'm hurt or something like that. And I like it. So I don't always mind that much. Mm. That's my point. Well, you don't have to have an athletic passion to be your other passion. Like you could choose something like home improvement, music, art, reading. There's obviously so many things. It's never a bad idea to take to things like cleaning (laughs) as a passion. I think he's telling me this. (laughs) No. No? Okay. Well, so, anyway. <laughs> I, I did want to mention to Alicia Konechek, who is previously on the show, and she is an Olympian for Poland. She'll be competing in the 3,000-meter steeplechase. Anyway, I'll link to her podcast episode where she talked ab- about um, having another hobby, how that is important in goal setting. Mm-hmm. So, like, when we have things that will sidetrack us, like having another goal, like having something completely different can really help us through those challenging times. Definitely. That's good advice. So the next on the list here is because consistency and training over time. And you hear us say this so much. Quality training over time is the key to success in running, right? And because we know that and we all believe it, and because it's so important for running on the whole, when there's an interruption to that consistency, we feel like devastated. Like I've just lost it all. Like how many times Andy have athletes said to you, I'm losing fitness or am I, yeah. how much fitness am I losing? Cause I have to take two days off and it's like none <laughs> for two days off. But when two, when it's two weeks off, when it's two months off, um, that's a real concern mm-hmm. and very frustrating. Yeah. And I think too, we have these goals and when we feel like those are lost, it is something to grieve. Mm. And if we don't see it, like that like if you don't feel like we need to grieve it we do all of the stages of grief like denial (laughs) and like starting with denial are you talking Um, to me right now yeah so i think that it's good to keep in light of of this idea because what while it's true that consistency and training over time is what is going to help us improve the very most when we are 
um, off for a few days, like Zach said, you actually aren't losing it. So like when things start to happen and niggle shows up, our suggestion would be take care of the niggle because you don't want to have to take months off if it's avoidable. Another suggestion that we have is looking at ourselves more than runners. And, you know, like we think we're losing fitness, we're losing consistency. Well, taking that step back and seeing ourselves for more than than being a runner is a good thing, too. So and definitely um, what is it that? Yeah. What is it that helps my body uh, be better at running that isn't running? Um, and so this whole idea of like, I'm losing everything when I can't run doesn't have to be true. There's other things we can do to help make the running happen better as well, especially once we're back to healthy and all of that. Um, and that can include things like cross training, you know, cycling, I already mentioned that, um, cycling is a good aerobic activity if you do it right. Um, and that's actually an important emphasis because there are two things I see that happen a lot when I see people cycling who are hurt or can't run, um, and want to get back to running. One is that they're, they're riding too easily. They're not riding hard enough. And as a consequence, it's really not that aerobic because they're not actually getting their system elevated enough. It is significantly harder to elevate your system to an aerobic level on a bike than it is running. It's just purely fact. And so as a consequence, we have to ride in a different way and it's horribly uncomfortable. And so for runners to just jump on a bike and ride at that level. And so then the mitigation here is the other thing I see people do is they're riding too hard for too much resistance. I know too much resistance. And so they're just like, they're pushing hard. And then it becomes like a strength, a strength endurance thing, um, which is also not the goal with that. So what we're looking for with these kinds of things is like, I need to be I need to be highly aerobic. And so like uh, repetition of um, what are the cadence matters there. So like I'm on a bike and I want to have the resistance such that I can have a really high cadence. And then the difficult thing is I have to keep the really high cadence, which is not comfortable for a long time. And that's how I get that. So just, you know, I'm parsing here, but I'm parsing on purpose because if we're so worried about losing fitness, we should be concerning ourselves with what are the things that I can do to mitigate that. And on a similar note, this is a very specific tip, but we love to give really practical tips here. Aqua jogging. Now, aqua jogging is tricky because for some people it is very, very challenging and can bring up your heart rate. But for others, using the belt, it becomes easy to kind of slack off on it and go too easy. And so I did some aqua jogging last summer. I had a little foot problem and I would not wear the belt. And then that became too easy even even then over time because I was doing it so often. And then I would put my arms in the air so I wouldn't have my arms in the water and that would get my heart rate up. Um, I obviously couldn't just do that for like an hour straight without my arms. So I did like bring them back in and like, you know, put them back up and kind of went back and forth between the two. But it did help me have my heart rate a little higher so that I was actually getting some benefit from it. And anyone who's trying to picture this right now, Andy is like a human bobber. Somehow she can stay afloat with her hands straight up in the air, feet straight down, just moving her feet up and down in a running form. Like, how do you stay afloat? She has this uncanny buoyancy that shouldn't be possible. And yet somehow not that buoyant. I don't know. Well, anyway, um, so this next item then on the list is how we as runners and I'll just be I'll I'll be direct. I am stubbornly habitual. He is and inflexible with Mm -hmm. my running side of it. Well, with everything really, but with running especially. And so you can probably relate because this is a very common tendency in runners. I'm not suggesting it's universal, but very common. Um, And so think about like one of the hardest um, 
mental health related deficiencies that runners experience is what they call the obligatory runner, which is when I, my running becomes so unhealthy because I feel obligated to it. But why? <laughs> that's the, that's not a good thing. And so when things like injury happen, it, the slide is real and I go to bad places fast and it's not good. Yeah. I mean, there's such a fine line between like a dedicated runner mm-hmm. and an obligatory runner. And I think that a lot of us can kind of cross the line in different periods of time because it is such a nuance. But, and I know this is all like psychoanalysis, but to be able to view our running as something that is serving us and we are not serving it, it makes a humongous difference in the way that we approach our running and our training and then our mindset about injury. And not to cut off Andy's good tips, but in thinking what part of another reason why this tends to happen for so many of us is that because so much of life is not in our control. You know, mm. if you've got work, kids and other things that you don't feel like you control all the time. Um, but yet for many of us running is one of those things. Like I can decide how much I run and when I run and you know, that kind of thing, whether I run hard or easy. So I can have that control. And then when I lose it, it's like, that's the only thing I had. Hmm. So that's tough. Yes. But Andy, a good suggestion there. Um, I think in general too, for, for those of us who the routine and the habit is, uh, something that's very hard for us to let go of, uh, we don't necessarily have to, but we have to just simply, uh, stubborn people struggle with creating new routines. So the first step must be, I need to force myself to create a new routine, mm-hmm. make a plan, a new habit. Um, and, and especially to realize that it doesn't, this is not a permanent thing. This is temporary. Most of the time, this is temporary. And as a result, I just have to try to come up with a, how can I deal with this for now mm-hmm. and have a good routine established for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And that's easier to do when, when I have a plan that shows me an end. <laughs> that's good. So this next one, um, this is this is a difficult. We're we're gonna, we're gonna try to make this practical for you, but um, so many of us, myself included, we convince ourselves that our well-being and our fulfillment are closely related to or because of running, right? So I feel that running running is a thing that helps me feel fulfilled, or I feel like I thrive in part because of running, which is true yeah so this is why it's so difficult because this is a true statement for anyone who is a regular runner and you feel like you're thriving in life i'm guessing running is a part of that positive contribution as a matter of fact when we work with our own athletes we try to help make make a way for running to be a positive contribution to the rest of your life so it helps you thrive Mm -hmm. so then when you lose it a piece of your thriving has been taken away and that is both true but also a very dangerous place for us to find ourselves Mm. because as andy has noted um it gets very closely tied to our identity yeah yeah we talk about it we think about it we post about it we tell people about it we say we're a runner we even use that identifier i am a runner and that becomes so much part of like our identity, as Zach said, that when we get injured, it's like, who am I? I don't know who I am anymore. Like, who, what am I going to talk about? How am I going to function when this is like my daily routine? And it's not only mental and physical, but it's also emotional and social. Mm-hmm. There's so many dynamics of this that make it so much harder than just like, oh, I can't play basketball for a week. 
you know, right. except yep. I think the basketball players, I just, I just downplayed their identities. <laughs> well, that's because it's a lesser too. activity. So. No, no. Oh, no, it's not. Oh. I, that was, yeah. <laughs> anyway, not a great comparison there. But um, what I'm saying is that it's difficult when we have so much drive and so much community and so much joy in something that when we don't have it anymore, we, we, you know, feel pretty down. Yeah, all very true things. And there's an interesting thought experiment here. So there's there's a, a number of schools of thought, and I'm not going to suggest to you what you need to believe about this, but um, some say that we are the preponderance of our things, and that, that creates the who am I. So the who am I is answered by all of the things combined. And then others would say, and this is where we tend to fall in our opinion of this, that our identity, who we are, must be an answerable thing after we've stripped away all of these other things. So can I still answer the question, who am I if I don't have running, if I don't have this other thing I like, if I don't have these other dynamics that are in partly things that are defining me, my work or my, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and this is where it becomes a very difficult thing because mm -hmm. if I feel like I can't define myself, if I can't answer that question without running being a part of it, then it makes it a very difficult experience to go through something like an injury or, and I think about Andy's dad when I say this. And so shout out to Andy's dad. Um, he had, he had, uh, in his thirties, multiple hip replacement surgery experience and was told he would never run again. And so then he has to answer the question, who am I now that I can't do this? He's thing? very athletic, man. very athletic. Mm -hmm. And not just run. I mean, playing like basketball, soccer, like he very athletic. And that was a huge part of his life. So for many of us, it's a temporary thing, but in many instances, it's not. And we still have to be able to answer that question. So that's mm -hmm. that's a challenge. Now, we're not trying to get existential here <laughs> necessarily, but we are trying to think about, so I, if I am elevating the sport to such a degree that I can't find myself without it, um, that it is my coping mechanism for everything or anything or other things left in life, um, if it's so closely tied to my self-satisfaction. I think about, Andy, you, you were the one who mentioned this. Um, Things like my appearances and how I dress and like, and that's all tied together. So mm -hmm. what do we do about that? Mm -hmm. First, um, I, I did want to mention that it's, it's really important to uh, just be open and honest with our emotions with these things. Um, it's very hard to deal with that sense that we're trying to describe if I don't realize that that's what I'm feeling. Um, and so for runners, you know, how many times when you've been hurt or you've missed a run and your spouse is like, Hey, you're really grouchy today. Or your kids are like, Hey, you're really grouchy today. Um, and then you're sitting there thinking to yourself, yeah, it's cause I can't run, but there's a little more to that obviously. Right. And so I think it's valuable mm -hmm. to be honest about and open with myself mm -hmm. that I'm feeling this and it's real. Yeah. And I do want to shout out to the mother runners, Whitney Hines, mm. because she's been through a lot of injuries this past year and she's been open and honest about this process. And I think it's really great to hear from other people who have been through injuries. And she reached out to me. We've been in discussions for a long time because she knows I've dealt with my hip labrum tears and, you know, all that that accrued for, for me. And I think that it's really a good idea to speak to others or to try to seek out other people's experiences so that you can kind of articulate your emotion through reading their reflections as well. Cause sometimes I like read something and I'm like, yes, that's what I'm feeling and thinking. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the final note about this one in particular is this whole fulfillment thing. Um, 
it's always important for all of us to remember that any person can be fulfilled without the thing that I feel like I'm losing in that moment. Um, it's possible. It is possible. Obviously, it has to be uh, because running is the kind of thing that you can lose suddenly for the rest of your life and never have it. And to suggest that a person can then never be fulfilled the rest of their life would be absurd. So it's possible. What I have to do in this moment now, once I've been honest with myself about my emotions, is think, what is it that I can do right now about this and take action so that I satisfy the I'm doing what I can. But then the next step there is, and how can I ensure that I am still a fulfilled person and a thriving person during this time? Because I owe it to myself. I owe it to the people around me not to be the grump and the grouch to my spouse and my mm -hmm. kids when I'm hurt. Yeah. And if you right believe that you've been created <laughs> and if you believe that you've been created for a purpose and that you've been created with value, then to believe that about yourself also does respect to the creator. If you Allow me to yeah. say to every one of you listening, you are worth more than you're running. Mm -hmm. That is a fact. Mm -hmm. And so let's live in that. Yeah. Now, uh, this next one's really practical. So many of you, like us, do a lot of things that relate to running, and many of your social interactions are connected to that. And so as a consequence, not all of them. No. it could be all of them for some of us. You know, you're busy in life, work, kids, otherwise, uh, whatever your situation, you're busy in life. And so um, a, a lot of us say, well, my friends are like my running friends, because yeah. that's that's the time I have to be able to both run and be with friends. So I just find friends who also run. Yep. Right. Yep. I'm a very social so. running runner and that has definitely been part of what drives me to continue in this sport is the community. So, mm. yep, it's more than a sport here. We're saying it again. It's also part of our community. And so losing that is really hard. So you're actually more lonely <laughs> during this time that you I already no feel friends. depressed. Yeah. There's nothing I can I do. I'm just stuck at home. It's so sad. It's yeah. so hard. And then when it's like I, you know, I'm doing the stuff like the cross training or something, if I do that, then I'm probably doing it alone. And so then it's like, uh, and you know, so some of us shout out to Adam Loman right now, who went for a bike ride with me this weekend instead of a run, because we were going to run together. And then, like I said, can't be doing that right now. Um, and so he's like, oh, well, I'll just ride with you then because I was going to be riding. And I'm like, oh, this guy, he's a friend. Uh, what a pal. Thank you, Adam. Um, also, happy birthday, belatedly again. So this moment is there's some practical things that we could certainly try to do. Um, and it has a lot to do with just like what I stated. You know, if you have another activity that you can do and you've got some friends who are runners who are like willing to join you with some of that, great. Um, not everyone can, and we don't want to ever begrudge someone who's like, ah, but I got to get my run in too during that time. So Andy had a great tip. If you can go to a gym. Oh yeah. If you can go to a gym, then you can ride next to someone while they're on the treadmill. Or if you're, if it's an elliptical or whatever yeah. the thing is you can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. In the same sense, if someone's doing a running workout, like at a track or something, and you can do like some core or PT exercises while your team, your group, your crew are doing their thing. Um, you're at least still together ish. Yeah. A bit. Um, and even better still, if they're going to do any of that with you too, then you can still be around. So. Mm -hmm. And good. also stay around the sport. Don't withdraw. Oh, yeah. If you can, go and cheer your friends on at their races. Maybe volunteer. Find a way to still be connected with the community. And our final point in these specific, this specific list is um, back to that original comment that we run because we love running. And so sometimes as a consequence, we're very single dimensional uh, athletes um, in that sense. And so as a consequence, 
when running's not there, um, my general health also is at risk. And so, uh, you know, how running helps me be healthy physically yeah. <laughs> for, for anyone who's a runner. That is probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be because you're running. And <laughs> so it is well, in that case, we're in that dangerous situation where if I don't change other things, you know, the balance has been offset and that messes with my circadian rhythms that messes with my sleep that messes with my eating habits and, and all of that can be consequential. Mm-hmm. This is something that I wasn't planning on saying, but I feel like I need to share. So if you're in the thick of it, if you're in an injury right now, I obviously can relate to you because I am a runner who's been doing this for a very long time. But I found that there was kind of like a reset of of my body. And even though I was starting again when I was able to get back to running, I wasn't fit when I was starting. But I was able to build in a very positive way and being able to have a PT and the support and a vision and some goals and the guidance of Zach, who's my coach, I was actually stronger coming back because mm-hmm. I was doing it right. I was putting the building blocks in place and I was able to look at myself with a fresh start. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in that place right now, see it, you can, you can see it as an opportunity. I don't want to minimize your frustration and your pain, but there is an opportunity there to begin doing things correctly. Yeah. And that's where the, you know, try You got to find the right way to stay balanced there and to get back into balance. Um, and so that's, that's a piece of that. So ultimately if we can zoom all the way out, then, uh, I think, uh, just a few general comments. The first is don't suffer the running frustrations alone. Like, you know, that you have your running friends or you have your, your other people, people who especially have experienced these things. Um, and, and, you know, don't totally isolate because then what you find is it feels like I'm the only one, like everyone's posting on Strava, everyone's posting on their social media platforms other than Strava, right? <laughs> Whatever those Not things you, are. And they're all talking about how fit they are or they're running PRs or, and it's like, I'm the only person in the world who's hurt right now. Well, you're not because if you're hurt right now, so am I. Um, but don't, don't let yourself believe that. And so, uh, make sure that at the very least that, you know, we got to stay engaged as Andy Mm -hmm. was saying earlier. Um, and in the same sense, it's really important to find people who can help me get out of whatever that position I'm in, because one of the worst things that happens with runners and injuries is we don't actually know why we got hurt and we don't do what we might need to do to get better, weller, faster. (laughs) If those are words that I can say, um, so find the people. Yeah. Who can help? I agree with that very much so. And for me, it was very helpful to have a PT that was able to tell me where some of my weaknesses were. And then also to have a coach, which I hadn't, I hadn't had a coach for um, a while before you started coaching me, Zach, because I, I wasn't really doing serious running yet. But having somebody else look at my training and someone else create my plan was way more objective because I was full of emotion. I like saw my where I wanted You've to never be. Never been full of emotion in your life. <laughs> never. I saw myself where I wanted to be and it was overwhelming to see the gap mm. of where I was and where I wanted to be and that brought on a, a sense of despair in some ways. Um and I don't know if you're there right now or have experienced that before, but getting in, getting the granule steps what can I do right now to 
help myself get on track. And that's going to be, you know, both in the broad sense of having other hobbies and other things that bring us joy, but also getting back on track because we do love running and we want to get back there. So being able to have a plan that's very tangible. And it's really good with these kinds of people who can help coaches, physical therapists, running friends, um, to be able to have conversations about your experience that's frustrating with people who won't just like roll their eyes at you like, oh, you're just this running addict who can't run, boo-hoo on you. You know, like there are people in our lives who might not get it and don't really know how that it plays with us. As we've just described, all of this stuff that it goes on in a runner's experience when they're hurt mm-hmm. um, and as a consequence. Certain people will get that more than others. Yeah. And it's good to have both because it's also good to have someone like if <laughs> you're, yeah, like your mother who's going to be like, I love you no matter what. So what you didn't do six miles today. I don't, I don't care. Like you're still, I still love you and you're still the same person to me. Like who cares? Yeah. So it's also good to have people in your life who are like, yeah, you're still you and I've, it's okay. I find that people like grandparents are great for this for runners because it's like if, if you have grandparents around who you can talk to about these kinds of things. Uh, they don't, you know, it's like, I don't really care if you can and cannot run. I just love sitting in with you mm-hmm. and talking to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, thanks, grandma. That's so nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the final comment that we will make. Many runners think uh, that injury is not the right time to find a coach, right? Because, you know, I got to get healthy first. I got to, um, and I would simply completely disagree with you where injury might be one of the best times to find a coach if you don't have one or someone who can at least help you with, uh, where you're trying to go with these things. As Andy was saying, uh, for so many reasons there, but also because that's a time when you're already trying to put the pieces back together in the best possible way. And these are the kinds of things that mm-hmm. coaches may be able to support with. Mm-hmm. And of course I'm leading the horse here. What's that? I don't know that phrase. Uh, So I am basically trying to suggest that we would love to certainly help out if we can or talk with you about these things, Uh, whether or not we are the best fit for you. We'd love to hear your Mm -hmm. thoughts and questions and such and talk with you about your Mm -hmm. goals and needs. And all of that is possible if you head to a to z running dot com slash coaching. And also, if you do have a coach talk to them about stuff you know if you're feeling a niggle or you're feeling something popping up telling your coach sooner than later is helpful and they want to help you so (laughs) so now andy's talking to our athletes (laughs) right now (laughs) if something's bugging you tell your coach don't sit on it i do think it's good though for all of us to be reminded because i know many of you actually know some of you and you have coaches and i'm just saying in general i think it's great to communicate these things it's part of the journey this journey that we're on and with that this journey at least in terms of this conversation must now come to an end so before you enter great sadness when our voices stop speaking just remember that we'll be back on next week and we've got some really exciting things to begin previewing for the tokyo olympics finally